Hey, Madrid podcast listeners, it's Mushtaq back with another podcast alongside Hassan Karim. Uh, we are doing another episode, just a couple, it's not even an hour, actually, after the match against Ajax at the Johan Cruyff Stadium. Uh, Real Madrid won that game, but very, very late, uh, 2-1 um, in the first leg. Of course, the second leg will be played on March 5th at the Bernabeu. Madrid, of course, with the 2-1 lead, and those away goals mean so, so much in the Champions League. But before we get ahead of ourselves and we jump all the way to March 5th, let's assess today's match. What a game, edge of the seat, but kind of in the wrong way, not the way you would want it to be. Oh, yeah, of course. It was fucking horrible, to say the least. It was literally horrible throughout. I did not enjoy that at all. There was not a single moment. Besides Vinicius's run, I did not enjoy that game. <laughs> it was, like you said just before we started, it was a very laborious game. Now, the possession stats stood at 50-50. So, by the statistics, it was a split game. But when you watched all 90 minutes, it seemed very, very far from. Yeah, they actually outpassed us in this game as well. Only by six passes, but did they outpass us in this game, which is no mean feat, to be honest, for a Madrid side that likes to recycle the ball. Uh, to out, be outpassing the likes of Tony Kroos and Luka Modric, you know, with a team that midf- midfield is pretty impressive. Well, like you said, we got outpassed, which is something that is very rare for Real Madrid. Despite their a tendency to kind of move the ball around the midfield in a very patient fashion, but nonetheless... They definitely got it done. Uh, plenty of players for Ajax passing with well over 80% pass accuracy, which of course caused a lot of problems for Real Madrid. In the opening 15 minutes of the game, Real struggled and suffered to get a piece of the ball. The only thing they could do is watch this little orange and white uh, object being flung around the pitch. It was only until the 17th minute of the match where Real Madrid were able to string up a couple of passes in the offensive half. What do you think was the main reason as to why that happened for Real Madrid? They were just pressing us like hounds. They were literally just all over us like a rash. It was it was quite unsettling to watch us. Like, how can they press like this so often, so much? And like, sure, they're going to get tired. And to be honest, they didn't. They didn't really get tired, which didn't really they? impressed me. It seemed that around the 70th minute, they did seem to get a little tired, though, because not only did Madrid pick it up in the second half, but they seemed to move the ball with a lot more purpose, and they moved it a lot quicker, and Ajax were unable to kind of keep that high press, high intensity over 90 minutes, which was something I was thinking may happen uh, as they came out guns blazing in the first half. Yeah, you could say so. I mean, I still don't think we played particularly well in the second half either. Um it's it's one of those really. I just I, I I it's hard to explain why they were just so bad in terms of being pressed. Like Casemiro, for example, was really struggling today. Carvajal as well. Just both of them were getting forced into error upon error upon error. Um, I I think it may have been you know the fact that certain players weren't available. I think Lorente would have been the better option out of the two today because he's a bit more press resistant. But unfortunately, he's not available. Uh, I think Isco has only done well in a game like this. Just somebody who can sort of ghost around. Uh, but again, not available. Not that he probably would have got picked anyway, but that's by the by. 
Well, quickly jumping back to our earlier comments before we get into individual players and their performances, uh, one thing that people made note of on Twitter, and I think you and I discussed it while we talked during the game, is that the opening moments of the match against Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, and Ajax seemed like very, very different matches. So what the- matches different, yeah, just levels apart, levels apart. Exactly. In the first two matches, you saw Real Madrid come out, kind of that high-octane, high-energy, want to make a statement and make their claim in the match. And then in this game against Ajax, it seemed for most of it that they just sat back and absorbed the pressure. Do you think that was a tactic from Santiago Solari at points? Or was the idea to just soak the pressure, counterattack, or did it just end up happening as such because they failed to get a control on the ball? I think it just it, it just happens like that. Um, Ajax was so good in their press that you just you couldn't breathe against. Them. And they've shown that throughout just, you know throughout the um, the UCL campaign so far. I mean, they held Bayern you know to two results home and away, uh, and they were just relentless in those games as well. So it is just a trademark of how Ajax are as a team. Um, so I don't think it was a, it was a, a a plan so to speak as long. I think it literally just was. You had no choice. We're going to suffocate you. So do you, would it be fair to say that Solari got the tactics wrong? Yeah, I think there's an element of arrogance amongst the team, which, you know, ironically, is something we said on the last podcast is they need to go into this game and not be arrogant, which is exactly what they were. I think they were expecting just to walk into this game and think, yeah, well, what's the ball about? They're not going to do anything about it. And lo and behold, they came out of the traps. I, t- I think it took the team by surprise and it, sh- it shocked them so much they couldn't seem to think straight. Um, so yeah, that's how I saw it going. I don't know if you disagree. I definitely agree, and like you said, that was something that we discussed in the previous podcast. That you know, I know Zidane preached this so much, and you know that I'm a huge fan of his, and especially the way he managed this team when he was there. But humility was such a big thing for him, and the fact that Real Madrid didn't seem to have a whole load of it really, really showed. There's many times in the match where you see the the camera pointing at Sergio Ramos and. He's clapping his hands. He's screaming and shouting, urging his team to wake up. It's not like you're playing a third division side in the Spanish league. I mean, granted, we've had poor performances against third divisions uh, <laughs> as well. Um, but it was it was very unlike Real Madrid. And going back to what you were saying on individual performances, while Isco would have been great for this match, you know, because he's like you said, a ghoster, to quote you. Uh, he kind of just roams around, and he, he's just a pain in the behind, really. And then you have Marcos Llorente, whom you also said would be a great fit for this match. There are players who may have been the wrong selection for this match. You take a look at Gareth Bale. He yeah. didn't have the most superb game. That press from Ajax really, really destroyed him. I mean, he had very little opportunity to get much of anything done. In that the game. funny thing about that is, and I, I think I said it in the uh, in the writers group chat, Bale actually had like the most sort of opportunity out of all the three attackers. As they marked, they really, really heavily marked Vinicius. It was quite. I, I, I think I put a tweet out saying it's quite impressive the fact that they marked Vinicius out of this game more than they have Gareth Bale. Um, they had at least you know a good two men on Vinicius every time he touched the ball. Where he sort of just had the one fullback on Bale who just did a job. And I think it might have been. Daily Blind, which is interesting because he's like the slowest man on the planet. So I was, I was quite impressed with the fact that he has managed to shut Gareth Bale down. But um, that yeah, they were just Bale had like the two pretty decent chances. I can remember during the game. There was the one where he broke broke clean through and just 
fired a really tame shot across across goal where I think he probably should have gone for a bit more power. And he also had a header in the box, which he sort of just uh, like just tapped with his head. Not the usual Gareth Bale header that you expect from him. Um, whereas he has more of a glancing header where kind of just he just skips it on like with the whip of his head and it goes past the goalie. But sorry, carry on. Yeah, just like he, he sort of just put it down to the ground and their keeper just pretty much calmly collected it. So it was kind of frustrating really that, you know, had other individuals maybe had the same chances. So, you know, obviously Mariana's got a good good heading shot on him. Uh, if it had fallen to somebody like that, for example, you'd imagine maybe it would have gone a little different. But hey, hope we got the result in the end by the skin of our teeth. But... Gareth Bill, of course, wasn't a player that had his strongest performance ever. He looked a little uh, unsettled. Another player that seemed kind of out of his depth and tried maybe doing a little bit too much too early on, I think you know who I'm going to say is Sergio Reguilon. Yeah, I agree, 100%. He seemed very, like I said, unsettled, a little unsure of himself. Uh, he tried to get into the attack a little bit too much. And yeah. He overran so many runs, like where he could have picked Vinicius out with a pass or two, or Benzema who darted on the inside. It's like he just thought, oh no, I'm going to go for the take on. I, I, you know, I respect the intent, don't get me wrong, but sometimes you have to make those decisions. But that's just an experience and you can't really criticise him for that. And when he did make that pass that you're saying he should make, should have made to Vinicius or Karim Benzema is, of course, when the goal finally did happen. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Prime example. A lot of last-ditch efforts from the side, especially in the defense. Like I said in that opening quarter, Real Madrid had very little of the ball. There was many opportunities where, you know, Madrid were just sliding all over the floor. It seemed like Bambi on ice, uh, trying to block shots and get in the way of passing lanes. What do you think went wrong for the defense, or was it just a complete disconnect altogether? It was just a disconnect altogether. I think Varane missing was huge. Um Especially in the air. Oh, my God. Yeah, especially in the air. But at the end of the day, Nacho didn't complete a single tackle today. Not one. Um, he had a really, really porous game. Um, had four so, interceptions and five clearances, though. It's pretty good. He, he had his clearances and stuff. But he, not completing a tackle is pretty, pretty poor, to be honest, considering everybody else on the team completed at least one. Um, the only person who played today's match and did not get a tackle was yeah. Mariano Diaz, who played the least amount with 10 minutes. So you can't even count him, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I just don't think Nacho was very good today, to be honest. Um, uh, to Ra- Ramos was pretty much holding the back line together for large parts of that game. Carvajal was un- uncharacteristically poor. I mean, I know we got the assist in the end, but he wasn't very good for large parts of the game. Um, and as you said, Regulon early wasn't very good, so... It- it was just a case of sort of grinding it out, but Ramos again was imperious, and it's going to be quite scary to he's missing from the second leg. Hopefully, Varane's fit for that second leg. And just like you said, uh, for those of you who don't know, Sergio Ramos was shown a yellow card in this match against Ajax, therefore due to card accumulation, he will miss the return leg that takes place on March fifth. Like you said, Hassan, of course, we're very, very much banking and hoping on the fact that. Um, Rafael Varane, excuse me, is there for the return leg because in the event that he isn't, uh, I don't even want to think about what will have to happen. Uh, I think he should be, though, because I think he missed today's game with what I think was an illness, which hopefully should be cleared up by that point unless it's like serious flu or something like that. Highly unlikely. Uh, Nonetheless, though, 
the defense did an all right job, like you said, just to echo. Sergio Ramos had three tackles, four interceptions, and four clearances. Uh, while Nacho didn't have any tackles, he went for four interceptions and five clearances. Danny Carvajal contributed three tackles, four interceptions, as well as four clearances. Uh, Casemiro, who, despite our criticism and also our affection considering his age and that he is still growing, had two tackles, two interceptions, four clearances, and again decided to pick up a silly yellow card. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a very silly yellow card. It was like he sort of was looking to get get a yellow. I don't know whether it was an intentional thing. Sometimes footballers do that. Maybe he but, just likes the color yellow. Who knows? Yeah, maybe he just likes the color yellow for sure. <laughs> Um, there was one massively controversial moment in that match. Let's discuss it. Uh, before you got wind of the official ruling and maybe the explanation why, I don't know if you were in the same boat as I was, but I myself was a little unclear. And to be fair, without the explanation of the commentators and Twitter, I don't know if I would have figured it all out by myself. Uh, but in any case, from the initial point, did you think that A, it was a goal, and B, how much is VAR interfering in the match, considering the amount of stoppages that took place? Uh, Yeah, I I do think it was probably... I I think most likely it was a goal. I think we got away with one there. Um, But but I still can't quite figure out what exactly they called it up on, because I've heard some people telling me it was... Well, I've heard on the podcast they initially said it was Courtois got impeded, and the player that impeded him was offside. Then people saying that Dusan Tadic was offside, and then someone saying that Bale was playing him on. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a, uh, a nightmare in terms of trying to figure out exactly what was going on and what caused him to call it back. So that said, you know, again, as I said, we'll take it because we've been quite unlucky with VR this season. It's nice to get a bit of luck for a change. So yeah, as I, as I said, we've been quite unlucky with VR in the league, so it was nice to get some luck for a change with it. Uh, where it benefited us for a change instead of screwing us over. Well, before you answer the second half of that question, I'll just interrupt you then, because the official Champions League Twitter page did tweet out with some images showing, in the tweet they said, VAR in the UCL, quote, in the 38th minute of the Ajax versus Madrid first leg, Nicolas, I don't know how to say this guy's last name, Taglificos? Taglifico. There we go, thank you, Hassan. (laughs) Englishman teach me how to pronunciate names. Headed goal was ruled out following a VAR review. The referee identified that Teglafico's teammate, Dusan Tadic, was in an offside position and interfering with the goalkeeper, preventing him from playing or being able to play the ball as the header was being made. This was in line with VAR protocol, and the goal was correctly overturned and a free kick was given for offside. So for those who are looking for an official explanation, that is exactly what happened. Um, You know the older generation, some of the purists, as they may call themselves, will say, uh, this is horrible, it changes the whole swing of the game, Uh, it does X, Y, and Z. Uh, If you're me, and you're part of the new generation, um, and the newcomers to the world of football, you, and especially if you are North American, where video replay is something that is in all of the major sports here in North America, you're more likely to be for it. In this instance, I think it was the right call. Like I said before, I didn't understand why uh, the call was made or what was going on exactly. But, of course, that's why there is the video review. And 
sometimes the commentators do cool things, just interesting metaphors. Shout out Ray Hudson. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's just like I said, it's sort of luck of the draw in that sense. We, we, I think we sort of got away with one, but again, I'll take it. All right. Um, we've discussed some players who maybe did not impress us and uh, did. I don't know what happened there. Sorry, did not play to par. Uh, who are some players you would say uh, impressed you? Cruz uh, uh, and Modric, I thought, were pretty exceptional to the game. Uh, if I think if it weren't for them, we would have just been overrun every sense of the word. They really uh, turned on in the second half. Yeah, there was one one particular one where Cruz like took on about a good three players as they just all tried to hack him down he just glided past all of them um before playing on a pass to one of the, one of the i think one of the flanks I can't remember um Benzema was what he was given was decent enough linked up the play quite nicely dropped quite deep occasionally and obviously got a very good goal which is also his 60th goal in the competition for those who like those kind of numbers um Vinicius also did uh, quite well with what again was what limited service uh, created one great uh, earlier sort of run where he sort of darted inside, delete, um, and fired a shot off at the keeper. I say that's probably one of the best chances of the first half. And then mm-hmm. obviously his second dribble where he took three defenders out, left one eating grass as he ran past him and knocked him onto the ground before finding Benzema. Uh, again, solid performance from him with very very limited uh, contact with the ball. Uh, Asensio did well as well coming on. Sorry, I was just saying that run really got me from Vinicius. It's just like I, I sent you that little bit I I typed out on it in the post match, but it was yeah, just which you like, can go like, read right yeah. now, by the way. Sorry, <laughs> you can go and read that right now, by the way. I will do that later. Um, but like you said, just making the defenders eat grass. I I know we we compliment this kid so much on this podcast and just on this website in general, but like, how can you? The poise, the composure. And then, most of all, the selflessness. You know, when you do that much... I was expecting him to shoot. I'm not going to lie to you. I expected a shot. And not only you, so did I. And I think many other people did as well. But like you said, you're expecting him to shoot, but just sets the table with everything. All the cutlery you need, the napkin, all the finishings, a sweet silk tablecloth. Like, perfect. Benzema could have been blindfolded, and I'm sure he would have buried that shot. It's not that it was easy. It's not that the shot itself was easy. There was a lot of technical ability in it. But it was he put f- him into such good space. It was just, it was. Exactly. It was a no brainer. He Vinicius set him up for success is what he did. And that to me is just like, it, it's superb to have a player who can do something like that. Not just that. I mean, it's no mean feat to be turning, you know, delict out like that so easily. He made, like, the two times that he ran at him, he, he stood him up twice. Um, again, that's no mean feat, but he was quite literally starved in this game. As the sort of the attacking positional report tell you, there was only thirty-six percent of attacks on this in this game from the left side, compared to Atletico Madrid, where we attacked forty-four percent down the left, and against Barcelona, where it was forty-five. So it does really show you that the the limited access to that left flank was, you know, is a credit to Ajax to you know really limited. Um, Vinicius in this game because he was he was starved for a lot a large portion of the game as was Benzema so he did well with the limited limited touches he got and like we said on on Twitter on our live live tweet it's, it's just one moment of brilliance is all you need and that that was clearly it I mean yeah Ajax did punch back and 
you know, bring the scoring level again. But it's just one little moment, and the kid's producing plenty of them. And I think you said it earlier as well on Twitter. Um, Vinicius is now the leading assistman. Yeah, with 10. He's got 10 assists now. Man, absolutely ridiculous. And the first portion of the season, for most of it, you have a Julian Lopetegui who's putting this kid in the Castilla or playing the Segunda or whatever. Yeah, deemed him not ready. I'm just like, now I'm starting to think, Julian, what were you thinking? And, and now you have him under Solari. And Solari's like, yeah, Champions League, uh, sure, round of 16. Not even the group stage, first leg, away, not even at home. Yeah, kid, go ahead. You deserve it. And what does he do? He gives the assist. That, and he I, also completed three tackles, which, you know, is fair enough. He's, he's, he's putting effort in from top to bottom. Putting in a shift. Another person I thought of as soon as they made the tackle was Marco Asensio. I mean, yeah. in the two games where he featured just a little bit, um, you know, he, he got in a tackle and you and I both had mentioned, like, it's so nice to see, like, the kids really trying to earn his keep by tracking back, making tackles, and then moving forward again. And then you have him moving all the way back, making tackles. By the way, uh, Marco Asensio had five shots. In this game, you want to know how many passes he had? Four. Fewer. Yeah. Four. <laughs> yeah, more shots than he did passes. I mean, good on him though. Uh, he brought his shooting boots with him, and it turned out to be the right move. And you know, the places where he took shots from, it's ludicrous to other players, but it's Marco Asensio range. It's like well, where we've seen him. Put... How long did he get on the field? It wasn't very long, was it? No, he came on a 72nd minute, just under 20 minutes. Not a whole load of time, but as you can see, enough time to make a contribution. To fire off that many shots in that very short space of time is pretty impressive. Well, five shots over just under 20 minutes is about a shot every four minutes or so, which is pretty insane. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. And then his goal was well taken. He just sort of ghosted in. Um, Interesting to see that he was playing sort of at times as a false nine. Him and Vinicius alternating between that role. And um, I thought that was very intriguing for him to come on for Karim Benzema. Yeah, when they first made that call, I was like, what on earth is this? <laughs> That's a very strange call. Um, but it worked. To, I mean, Solari got his substitutions mainly, well, mainly selection wrong, I'd say, in this game. I wouldn't say largely substitutions, but that one sort of last roll of dice and it worked to give him credit. I think the good thing about all three substitutions is the work rate that you got out of all three of them was in and of itself was good because if the scoreline held, um, you know, you put on three attackers. So sure. Could you attribute conceding a goal to uh, a lack of, you know, coming back and helping out on defense? Yeah, sure. You could. But the fact is Marco Sensio coming back to make tackles, Lucas Vasquez, you know, he's always going to work his behind off on the right flank and, you know, he's going to make tackles. Mariano Diaz is like a, a puppy in a in a dog park. He's so happy to be on the pitch. He's just going to run around like a maniac, you know, for every second he's on there. So, like you said, was the starting 11 the right call? No, probably not. Uh, but the substitutions ended up helping getting it done. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Quickly, just want to applaud Danny Carvajal for that sick cross. Like, that... It's kind of like a textbook perfect cross. It's in between the keeper and the defender. Both are in no man's land. The defender doesn't want to touch it because it's very risky to touch a ball moving at that pace. 
and with the spin and the trajectory, the height, everything. And if you're a keeper, you maybe don't want to come out too quickly. In to case you're caught, yeah. <laughs> in case you're caught out. But then in the end, of course, uh, he was caught out. Before we wrap this up, uh, what would you say is a key thing Real Madrid need to fix up in preparation for March 5th? I know we're you know, just about three weeks away or so. It's quite a while. Uh, it depends on availability but at this point. If, I think if Lorente's fit and match fit, he should start the second legs. If Ajax come out with the same pressing ethos, um, I think he'll be the better fit over Casemiro because Casemiro just seemed a bit all over the place. Um, I wouldn't start Bale in the second leg. I just don't think he was very good. I think he'd be better off co- coming as an impact sub late in the game. Um Regulon is an interesting one. I don't know. Because of how on and off Marcelo has been, I don't know whether it's worth risking bringing him in. Um, outside of that, there's not much else I'd change. Really. I'd leave the midfield exactly as it is outside of Casemiro um, and switch Bale for Vasquez or Asensio maybe on the right-hand side. I'd leave Benzema and leave Vinicius as they are. Maybe give Vadrio Zolo a run out. Who knows? It's hard to, uh, hard to pick, pick holes, really. Um, I'd agree with most of your assessment, at least on the first two, uh, in switching out Llorente for Casemiro. I don't know how it would play out. It probably won't even play out. I'd love for it to play out. Where the hell is Isco? Uh, I know he's injured now. Um, He's having some back issues. But even then, like, if he's ready, please play him. Like, if he's 100% match fit. I mean, yeah, just rest Modric. It's just it's sensible. Or, or even if you don't do that, at least let Modric get the first 45 and, and then give Isco the time. Give Isco a couple of games and, and you know, a couple of games leading up to uh, the return leg. I don't see how this could not be the right kind of game for him. And you, you even said that, but it's Champions League. This kid's been so good in recent years in Champions League. I, I don't get it, but... Anyway, Ajax will be coming back to the Bernabeu with uh, a lot of vengeance in them after that controversial goal, uh, overturned goal, sorry, in the 37th minute. Uh, just some quick fun facts for you guys. Uh, this is Sergio Ramos's 600th game with Real Madrid. Also, uh, Ajax haven't made the, haven't gone past the round of 16 for 16 years now. Um, and Madrid have gotten through the round of 16 for just about a decade now. Knock on wood. It happens again. <laughs> Dude, by this point, I can't imagine losing it at this point. Well, uh, anything's possible, but you, you just don't want that to be possible. So just a nice, clean, tight performance. I think you get on the jump early on, score a goal in the first half, and like within the first 20 minutes, Make it a real task for Ajax. I, I think I even said this against Atletico. I'm so big on that mental game and just really screwing with the other team. If you could just dominate possession and score a goal, it's really just going to throw them off. And it, it just makes a hill with the same distance seem even steeper, making it that much more difficult. So if Madrid can pull that off, I think it's going to be a good win. Um, it, it will be great for this side who turned this season around so well to progress on in the Champions League. Yeah, definitely. Wicked. Huston, any last thoughts? 
Um, no, not not really. I think we've got a slightly easier run in now until the second leg. So that's that's a nice sort of bright note for a, an ending point, really. I, I mean, I'm not saying every every game's easy. It's just it's a lot easier than what we've had in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, just a tad bit. So it's, it's, hopefully that'll give you know the team a chance to rotate and rest some legs. Uh, so they're a bit fresher for those final few crunch well, games. Now, now that I look at the schedule, is it really that easy? On Sunday, we play Girona. And then on the 24th, we play Levante. And then we have back-to-back games against Barcelona. Before yeah, the, the, those games against Girona and Levante, I'd welcome them a hell of a lot more than any other trickier games, put it that way. I think Barcelona have got to play severe in the next couple of weeks. Um, so that, that should hopefully see them drop some more points, fingers crossed. Keep that, keep that title race alive. Ah, uh, I hope so. We really desperately need to win a league. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to another podcast. Us and I will be back with another one um, after the match against Girona, or we will try our very best to. Um, other than that, stay tuned to the Real Champs website. Uh, we're jo- dropping quite a bit of post-match content, uh, considering how big of a game this was and looking at some big moments. Uh, Hope to hear from you guys on Twitter if you have any questions, thoughts on the games, or ideas or things you'd like for us to discuss. Uh, As always, see you back on Sunday for another podcast, and Hala Madrid.